0: Okay. Good morning, everybody. I've got the light in my eyes, so apologies if I'm squinting. Um, I'm Linda, for those of you who don't know me. And good morning to all of you on the live stream. Um, I've moved, the, moved this, so I hope that I'm still okay uh, there for, for the live stream. But welcome, everybody, and what a precious time of worship. Thank you so much, Beth and Sam. That is, yeah, I think they, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just wonderful um, for people to take us into the presence of God like that. Um, So, I'm just going to share a little bit from the Bible with us this morning. And if you were here last week, you will know that we've started a new sermon series, and it's called Teach Us to Pray. And each week we plan to look at a different psalm in order to explain its meaning and for the psalm to kind of take us into an, a place of real authentic prayer. That's how I would summarise it. Now many of us, I'm sure, are familiar with the book of Psalms. The Psalms is the, it's the longest book in the entire Bible. It's made up of 150 poems. Um, which were designed to be set to music. So the Psalms were designed to be sung, actually, and therefore when we read them, we read them slightly differently. Now, the Psalms are extremely personal and emotional, and they cover almost every type, every part of human experience. Sometimes you will see adoration and thanks to God in the Psalms, and sometimes you will see a real desperate cry for help. And over the years, the Psalms for me have enabled me to keep it real with God. I can take my complaints to him, you know. I can tell him how it is, yeah, and not flower that up. Just say it as it is, really. So I feel that the Psalms give words to our feelings. And I'm sure that those of you, I'm sure, love the Psalms in here, and they are a source of great comfort, of great hope and joy. However... I warn you now that the psalm I'm going to read this morning is not one of joy and rejoicing. It's a lament of the heart. It deals with situations that many of us might be facing now or have had to cope with in the not-so-distant past. So, but as we journey through this, we're just going to take a little journey through this psalm. Can we do it from a posture of knowing that Jesus, we're part of Jesus's bigger story, and the Psalms really reflect his leadership and his love. So I just want to pray before I open up the Bible, if that's okay. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that it contains. And we appreciate, Lord, that the Psalms were written thousands of years ago, but they are as relevant today as they were when they were written. Holy Spirit, would you help us to understand, reflect, and apply all that we read in the scriptures? And would you open our hearts to receive from you? Be our teacher, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. So if you've got your Bibles, I'm reading from um, Psalm 39. I'm reading from the NIV uh, translation. Hopefully the words will come up on the screen as I read, but it's Psalm 39, and as I say, I'm reading from the NIV. It's called A Psalm of David. I said I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. I will put a muzzle on my mouth while in the presence of the wicked. So I remained utterly silent, not even saying anything good, but my anguish increased. My heart grew hot within me, while I meditated the fire burned, then I spoke with my tongue. Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my days a mere hand breath. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. Selah. Surely everyone goes around like a mere phantom. In vain they rush about, heaping up wealth, without knowing whose it will finally be. But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. Save me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the scorn of fools. I was silent, I would not open my mouth, for you are the one who has done this. Remove your scourge from me, I am overcome by the blow of your hand. When you rebuke and discipline anyone for their sin, you consume their wealth like a moth. Surely everyone is but a breath. Selah. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for help. Do not be deaf to my weeping. I dwell with you as a foreigner, a stranger as all my ancestors were. Look away from me that I may enjoy life again before I depart and am no more. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Psalm 39 can be thought of as a psalm for the sad days. It's a psalm that is often read at funerals um, and in some ways Psalm 39 gives permission to those of us who are suffering to express our bewilderment to God And our suffering, it can take many forms. Um, Loss of a job, uh, a loss and bad financial situation, as our sister Faith shared with us earlier. It could be that somebody is diagnosed with a life-threatening illness, or the death of a loved one. Now, we don't know the circumstances of David's suffering when he wrote this psalm, although there is an acknowledgement of sin in verses eight and 11. Lots of us have read and know our Bibles, and we know that David led a somewhat colourful life. And could it be that David was experiencing sickness or pain, as he mentions in Psalm 38? Or is he grieving the death of a beloved friend? And we may never know what the conflict was that he was experiencing, but what we do know is that David was in anguish. And the words he uses in Psalm 39 give us a window into his very soul. Initially, David tries to keep his feelings to himself. He tries to keep his mouth shut, probably not wanting to blurt something out that he later regrets. But the more he kept quiet, the more the turmoil inside him increased. And he describes this as his heart growing hot And as he ruminates on whatever it is that's troubling him, he feels it like a fire burning on the inside of him. And soon, David feels overwhelmed by the pressure of keeping intense feelings to himself. And perhaps we can relate to the magnitude of the intense feelings that David describes. Maybe you have experienced a loss, some kind of suffering or pain that has hurt you so deeply you know when people say it's cut like a knife that kind of pain then these words that david shares in this psalm may resonate with you for me david seems angry it's as if he can't take it anymore i think faith you said it earlier he's at the stage of enough is enough and as i was reading through this psalm you get the sense as if he's giving up on life And I know there are many of us who have been in such a place, having to face extremely difficult and painful periods in our lives. But in the midst of these intense feelings, we see David talking to the Lord in prayer. Now, this he does, in my opinion, in quite a forceful way. So I imagine David, he's at home and he's walking around and he's praying as if he's got like an audience with Almighty God in his home. There's a real familiarity in the language, like one who has had history with the Lord. David is really bold in his approach in prayer and really confident. There's even an abruptness to his prayer. He doesn't open his prayer like Jesus taught the disciples in the gospels. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Instead, David opens his prayer in verse 4 with these words Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my days a mere handbreadth, and the span of my years is as nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. Selah. I find his approach quite jarring, and I know that I don't, I don't pray like that. I don't approach the Lord in that way. David kind of throws the words out there, and then he pauses. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure, sealer. And although David says to the Lord, show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days, I don't think David is expecting God to kind of get like a little ticker tape or some sort of video of the extent of his life. I feel he's seeking the Lord for understanding because David knows that life is short because he repeats the same words again in verse 11. Surely everyone is but a breath. And David is communicating to us today through this psalm. He wants us to pause and to think about the shortness and frailty of this life. And perhaps David just wants us to just stop right there and just think about that. Our lives are short, they are super short. And in verse six he says, surely everyone goes around like a mere phantom. In vain they rush about, heaping up wealth without knowing whose it will finally be. So every person in their best state is but a vapor. Here today and gone tomorrow. Temporary. David was a champion, an accomplished warrior, a leader, a skilled poet, a musical genius, a survivor and a king. And if anyone could have thought more highly of himself than David could have, yet he understood that every human on this earth is a mere breath. Now, I found a lovely YouTube clip that kind of really illustrates this for me. Um, so, Bruce, I wonder if you could just play that clip for me. Bruce thank you 13 seconds this cute little boy thank you this psalm has really challenged me it's made me question whether I realize how short life is and if I really understood how short life really is would I live differently would I be more brave would I take more risks would I not sweat the small stuff? I wonder what you would do. I wonder whether David wrote this psalm to encourage himself and, and us, really, to treasure his days and not waste them. And this got me thinking about the many people who are no longer with us, but their lives had an impact for good. Now, like me, many of you may have seen on the news the unveiling of a statue in Kensington Palace to honour the short life of Princess Diana, who died tragically at the age of 36. And the statue is of Diana and three children, commissioned by her children in order to, and I quote, reflect the warmth, elegance and energy of Diana, Princess of Wales, in addition to her work and the impact she had (coughs) on so many people. The figure of Diana, Princess of Wales, is surrounded by three children who represent the universality and generational impact of the princess's work. What struck me when I was watching this on the news was the wording on the accompanying paving stone. It is engraved with an extract from the poem, The Measure of a Man, and this is what it says. These are the units to measure the worth of this woman, as a woman, regardless of birth. Not what was her station, but had she a heart? How did she play her God-given part? And I wonder what our epitaph will be. What would you like to have written as your epitaph for your life, written on your tombstone? And when people remember your life and they remember my life, what do we want them to kind of remember about us? Now, turning back to David, what's his epitaph? Well, we know that David lied, cheated, committed adultery, and he was complicit in the murder of his lover's husband. But yet, God calls David a man after his own heart. And David really was a man after God's own heart, because David understood something from a very young age, that there is no other light and saviour other than the Lord. And having perceived the shortness and frailty of life, David places his hope in the Lord. He puts his hope and expectation upon God and not upon himself in right standing and friendship with the living Lord, David could understand and prepare for life beyond this life. So David in this psalm is modelling something for us, his fragility, his failures and his complete dependence on God. And then he ends the psalm in prayer and he says, Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for help. Do not be deaf to my weeping. I dwell with you as a foreigner, a stranger as all my ancestors were. Look away from me that I may enjoy life again before I depart and am no more. David is weeping and sometimes our prayers need to be drenched in tears. Our cry for help at times may need to be flooded with tears. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I was extremely unwell. And this sickness came upon me suddenly and without explanation. And I really could do nothing to help myself. I have never felt so ill in all of my life. Now, I didn't have the energy or the strength to pick up my Bible and read it or anything like that. I couldn't even articulate a prayer. So what did I do? I cried. I just sat there and cried. And as I was crying, I was reminded of the words from Psalm 56 verse 8 that God says that he keeps track of all our sorrows. He collects all our tears in his bottle and he records each one in his book. And I tell you something, those words were such a source of comfort to me in the midst of that sickness, because I knew I was communicating with God, and he was just catching all of those tears. The Christian life is no joyride. We all suffer at one time or other. And Paul the Apostle says in Acts 14, verse 22, that we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, suggesting that suffering is a normal part of the Christian life. So the question isn't, why do we suffer? The question really should be, how do we suffer? And I don't know if you noticed, when I was reading through that psalm, this psalm somehow encapsulates for me the life of Job. Job's sufferings were providential. They burst upon him, wave after wave. He was just lashed with suffering, without explanation and without mitigation. Job lost his vast fortune. He lost all his children in one disastrous night. He lost his wealth. He lost the sympathy of his wife. And his friends came to sympathise And they stayed on to sermonize. Poor Job. He just, he wrung his hands, he wept, he prayed, he argued, he challenged God, but there was no explanation, nothing. And although Job's suffering and pain was truly off the scale, no one has ever suffered like our Lord Jesus Christ. Calvary is not some kind of sanitized event. It was the day that God abandoned his son Jesus on the cross. It was the day when in utter darkness Jesus was made sin for us. It was the day when the whole weight and guilt and, of sin was placed upon him. It was just heaped on him and Jesus's heart broke that day. Hanging on the cross, he had nobody. He didn't even have God. And it's in that moment that we hear our Lord Jesus Christ cry out with words taken from Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I wonder what it must have felt like for Jesus to be separated from his Father in his moment of greatest need. But because of what Jesus has done, we have a way. We have a way to the Father. And we're not strangers from God, as David stated in our Psalm in verse 12. David said he was a stranger with God. And we're not alone. We're strangers with Jesus in this hostile world, and we may endure all kinds of trials and tribulations on the journey, but Jesus is with us. He sees, he hears us, and he truly, truly cares about us. And as we approach the communion table this morning, may we do so in the full knowledge that Jesus is alive. Amen. May we focus our hearts and minds on who Jesus is. He is a person. Sat right now at the right hand of the Father, constantly praying for each and every one of us. Just want to pray as I close. Jesus, we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you that you meet us in the depths of our pain and our suffering. May our hope and our confidence be always in you. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen.